The following podcast may contain topics not suitable for a younger audience. Due to the nature of our shows, we also cannot guarantee spoiler-free discussions about anything, so keep that in mind. Borderline podcasts are uploaded almost every week, and you can keep up to date with our podcasts and panels by following us on social media at facebook.com slash borderlinepanels, or on Twitter at B-O-R-D-E-R-P-A-N. Please enjoy the show! Welcome to another exciting episode of Borderline Podcast. Borderline? Borderline. Borderline. Excuse me, I'm very sleep drunk and sleep deprived. I'm John, and I am your temporary host for the day, and I'm here with the real host, Austin. I thought I would humor John this one time and let him introduce the show, he's, so... He's too kind to me. I, I try and extend kindness wherever it is appropriate, and for you, it is always appropriate. Oh, stop it. You'll make me blush. <laughs> I they, they can't see that. But I, shh, I don't know that. They will feel it. <laughs> but anyway, um, apologies for our uh, momentary silliness. Um, who am I kidding? It's not momentary. <laughs> um, but today we are going to be doing our second part of our three-part Baroni Kenshin live-action film review. Yes. Uh, today we are talking about part two, the two towers or the Empire Strikes Back of... <laughs> Of Roroni Kenshin. Yes, yes. And uh, we just got finished watching it not mm-hmm. not too long ago. I've had a chance to write some notes down about some general thoughts and some uh, interesting um, cast things. And in true professional fashion, I will be winging it, as always. Well, you know, I think you are very suited to that. You know, some people like myself really need to have the crux that is notes to do anything, like breathe. <laughs> um... So well, I, I have I notes, but you. I forget them, and so I have learned to just kind of like go without them because mm-hmm. if I, I lose them all the time, and I can't go buy them most of my life, so it would be bad if I had to go buy notes at this point. It would be, and they they could potentially be very expensive. Notes are like my schedule; mm-hmm. I should keep them, but I never do. Oh, I see. Well, Godspeed. <laughs> um, but before we jump into our review, uh, we. Um, we have a convention coming up. Yes, AWA. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be at Anime Week in Atlanta, and uh, Tori and I will be doing panels on Saturday. No, excuse me, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Tori's is on Friday night. Mine is on in uh, Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, two two red eye slots because. Anime Week in Atlanta, if you've never been before, is a 24-hour convention. They run events from the moment it opens to the moment it closes. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. I'm. I will actually be volunteering mm-hmm. this year. Uh, this will be my first time going to AWOL and my first time volunteering for a con ever. Mm-hmm. So this will be a very interesting and new experience mm-hmm. for me. And like seeing some of the work hours, like it's. It's a lot. Like, 11.30 to 4.30 sounds tough. <laughs> mm, yeah. But um, what will you be doing for them in terms of volunteering? Uh, right now, I am going to be part of their technician crew. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably be uh, setting up panelists in the rooms and whatnot and maybe handling some other things mm-hmm. that need to be set up around the con. I'm really not sure. Uh, I got an email this week, uh, just earlier today, about setting up 
uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. which I will not be doing because Georgia is fa- five hours away from here, and I right. just can't do that in a day. I'll be driving more than I'll be helping out. A little bit of a logistical complication. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, like, you know, while I'm there, I'm going to give it 130%, mm-hmm. but, like, in the meantime, you know, mm-hmm. I just got to gotta look mm-hmm. from afar right now. Gotcha. Well, if any of you guys listening are going to be at AWA, please come to one of our panels. We would love to see you. We would love to meet you, and it would be awesome to share that experience with you. Um, I'm going to be doing my long-form Kingdom Hearts panel, um, and I have a lot to add considering we had a wonderful summer of Kingdom Hearts with lots of new information, Yes. uh, especially the Toy Story content. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to present that in the panel. And I'm going to be doing a very, very new... Um, revamped version of my Gynax panel where it's it's most of the same content but I'm changing a bit of the way I'm presenting it to make it a little bit more fresh for me and fresh for new audiences. Okay, okay. And um, I'm really excited to be doing this at AWA because this is I, be- I believe it's the ro- longest running convention on the East Coast mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of the biggest. I'm not sure if it is the biggest mm-hmm. but it definitely is one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope I'm able to see your mm-hmm. uh, panels this time around because mm-hmm. I've been... Me too. Because I'm not sure... Uh, you're on Saturday, you said? Um, Saturday midday. The exact times okay. are on our Facebook page. It's our pinned post on there. Okay. Um, so they're available right there if you guys want to see exactly the times. Mm-hmm. Um, they are on the schedule, obviously, Excellent. as well. Excellent. Um, and then Tori's panel, the horror panel, is Friday night, Saturday morning. Like, like like midnight to two something like that. It's eleven fifteen to two fifteen. Oh wow, that's a long yeah. panel. It's a very dense panel. Tori wow. has a lot to cover, but it's really really good and really interesting. If you guys are fans of horror, anime, horror movies from Japan, um, and just general Japanese horror content, it's it, good. I recommend you go if you yeah. enjoy that kind of stuff. It's it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's basically like the one stop shop. A clip show for anything and everything Japanese horror because that is totally a Tori's forte. Oh yeah, oh yeah, her torte, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll hopefully I should be able to catch the very tail end of that. I'll be mm-hmm. working till about two that morning, so very very tail end. Yeah, yeah, and that's when. Oh, I'm not gonna say that. I don't want to say what Tori does at the very end. But yeah, it is, yeah, well, it's a good thing. Yeah, keep it a it's surprise. Fun. You gotta, you gotta get yeah. like an element of suspense. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if any of you are going to be going to AWA as panelists, mm-hmm. I'm sure that I'll be around to help you if you have any technical needs mm-hmm. whatsoever. So just look out for me. I go by John or Jan. Either way, scream Jan <laughs> as loud as possible, and he will come running. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, in terms of AWA events that I'm personally really excited for. Um, they haven't posted anything about it, but typically the guys from another podcast that I really love and admire, Anime World Order, mm. they come and do uh, panels at AWA most every year, and I really hope that they're doing some this year because I would love to be able to meet those guys in person. For those of you the, out there like myself who have not heard of them, could you mm. give us a quick synopsis of kind of like what they talk about and what they do? So it's a group of three people, and they've been doing that podcast for 10 years, mm. Um, and the um, lead host, uh, Daryl Surratt, is the current uh, editor-in-chief, I believe that's his title, for Otaku USA. Really? Which is the only continually published print anime magazine in the United States. Wow. Um, and one of the few in the Western world. Like, there just really aren't that many English-language anime magazines that are still in print. Yeah, well, magazines in general, that's kind of like a dying art form nowadays. Yeah, exactly, and they're one of the few ones that have stuck it out. Like, there has been 
um, Animage, Animerica, mm. um, uh, gosh, what's the other one? Uh, New Type. All of those were sort of branches of Japanese magazines mm-hmm. that were coming out in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but they all, for various reasons, had to stop publication, but Otaku USA stuck it out, and Daryl Surratt is the current uh, head of that creative endeavor, and uh, he does he does a panel, I believe, on anime's most gruesome deaths, or something like that, <laughs> and I really, I haven't checked exactly the schedule to see if it's on there, but I really hope that it is, and um, if any of the guys from Anime World Order are currently listening to this, well, first off, you're not, but second of all, <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Can't wait to meet you at AWA. And props I hope that you will be there. And props to you guys for keeping the print ads or the magazines up. That's good on you. Indeed, I love throwing messages into the void. Maybe one day they will stick. <laughs> um, kind of like the Globetrotters with Soli's tr- Twitter feed. Yeah, I hope we will have more to reveal in, <laughs> about that story. Hopefully soon, but we'll keep that under wraps to see if that gets anywhere. <laughs> but that, I, I certainly hope that it does. Um, one of the biggest things about AWA that I'm excited for, apart from that, is being able to see Daoko and Teddy Lloyd live. Ah. Uh, they are the musical pair behind Me Me Me. Oh yeah, and yeah. Girl. And Teddy Lloyd did the ending song for Space Patrol Luluco, which oh, I absolutely adore. Man. You watched that recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched it with uh, uh, friends of mine. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it's, that it's a great song. Show. It's a great show. It really is. I'm super excited for that English dub and that um, uh, Blu-ray release that we're going to get oh, later this it's year. Oh, going to be tasty. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Teddy Lloyd also did the soundtrack for Panty and Stocking with Garterbell. Really? Yes. Ooh, it's so, going to be a good time. He is a techno wizard for sure, and Dalco's voice is just outstanding. I love it. I'm so excited to see them live. Um, and I'm sure I'm super excited for a lot of things about AWA that I just can't recall right now. Um, but that out of the way, um, AWA is our most immediate thing. Uh, we do have some new articles up on the website. I did one about my experiences running anime clubs for the past five years or so and sort of the, the pitfalls and the perils and the, uh, rewards of, uh, anime clubs, and I'm basically sharing like my my take on what what you can do to make your anime club the best club that it can be, mm-hmm. um, and sort of what the steps for doing that are um, from from my experience. And um, so, if you guys wouldn't mind uh, checking that out and giving it a read, I would really appreciate it. And if you would leave a review or some thoughts about it, I would appreciate that even more. I'm very desperate for attention. <laughs> So please, I mean, why do you think I'm here still? Please assuage me. <laughs> and we've got a few more articles coming up. We've got a big, big collaborative article coming up that some of us just finished all of our submissions for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished, John finished, Ryan finished, Marissa, Bill. So we're just waiting on a few more submissions, and then that should be up for within the next couple of days. Um, that's going to be a really fun article. I'm very excited to release that. And then uh, Sully's working on some stuff, and Ryan's working on some stuff. Excellent. So, lots of good content coming off the website, which is borderlinepanels.wordpress.com. You can find all of our stuff there. Um, but anyway, jumping into the topic at hand, unless there was anything else you thought we need to cover. I think that takes care of all the house cleaning stuff. Okay. Oh, have you been playing any video games lately? Uh, yes, I was mm-hmm. able to play the new uh, Metroid Returns mm-hmm. uh, game, and that's really, really... 
good so far. I've been cool. enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys haven't really had a chance to sit down and do a video game show. Yeah, we've been really, really busy lately. Yeah, I, under- like, I understand, but bad. so do you want to say a few words about um, Metroid? Uh, yeah, so um, it's it kind of keeps the traditional style of like uh, Fusion and what was the other one? Um, just we'll stick with Fusion for right. Oh, and uh, Zero Mission. Zero Mission okay. as well. And it's, it's a little bit it's faster and slower. Mm-hmm. So um, you can counter now, which is probably my most offensive weapon that I use. It's faster because you, you counter them, kill them one shot, and keep going. Mm-hmm. So you take a lot of damage, but you also find items all everywhere. It's quick, it's very fast paced, and it's a little different. Usually you can find like a lot of map stations, and that'll reveal like most of the known map, and they have some like hidden passages you mm-hmm. can find. But in this case, you have to kind of like scan mm-hmm. chunks as you go. So it's a little, it's a little bit interesting because you're always exploring. You're never just trying to find the map station so you can mm-hmm. keep going. It's always just more exploratory. So it's really nice. It's really nice. I've been having a lot of fun with it so far. So does it live up to the hype and the needs and expectations of Metroid fans? Um, so far, I would say so. It's mm-hmm. it's. A badly needed remake. I know there was a fan remake that came out a couple years ago that I've been in the middle of, mm-hmm. and that got taken down probably because of the release of this one. Right. But uh, yeah, I think this is a good remake to do. Uh, it's been, I think the last time it came out was in the 90s for the Game Boy, not oh, the Game man. Boy Color, Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to kind of see that uh, aspect of the game get some love. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been, re- and a lot of good improvements, improvements for it. So, all in all, solid game so far. Still haven't beaten it yet, but I'm sure Ryan and I will have a podcast about that soon. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for um, giving us that info. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're going to jump into Kenshin now. Yes! And uh, this is part two, Kyoto Inferno. Mm-hmm. Um, this was released uh, in 2014, so two years after Rurouni Kenshin Origins. Okay. Um, and they shot this film and the third film... Uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, at the same time, like, right into each other, kind of like they did with The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, and it's it has the same exact cast as the first film, with the exception of Yahiko. Yahiko was played by Takato Tanaka in the first film, and he was recast by... Um, and is now played by Kaito Oyagi. Okay. So if you're watching the first one and jump to the second one and think, wow, Yahiko looks a lot older, it's because he's a completely different kid. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can tell, but I don't think it's distracting enough for it to matter. Mm-hmm. Like, was did that distract you? Oh, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the fact that he's there and had the same temperament and the same basic... Uh, well, not basic, but but familiar uh, uh, aesthetic. Right. Was it, it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was fine. And I think I don't know. You you may feel stronger about this because of your fan background, but mm-hmm. I thought Yahiko's character and presence in the first film was very very background. Oh yeah, he was just kind of dropped in there. wasn't really explained properly. You didn't really get in a sense of like his motivation or his history. Like he was yeah. from a samurai, but that or like a samurai family. But that's mm-hmm. all you really knew, right? Like uh, the manga definitely goes a little bit more into that and right. like why he's so prideful and whatnot. But in this one, I feel like he has like a little a little bit more presence. Again, he, he had at least five words to say <laughs> yeah, he had some words yeah. and he actually did fight during some of the fights he did so yeah, like yeah. it's good to see that he actually got some screen time actually mm-hmm. doing some stuff yeah but uh, again i feel like he's very, he wasn't like super helpful i guess in the actual series but he was definitely involved a lot because mm-hmm. that's how he learned a lot of kenshin's techniques and eventually learned to use them on his own later mm-hmm. on but you know I, I, it's a movie. There's only so much you can do. So, you know, 
they didn't have time to really explore that and chose not to go down that path. I can't really fault them for that. Right, and I, I didn't read this or anything, but usually when stuff like this happens with having to recast kids, it's because what do kids do? They grow really, really fast. <laughs> so who knows? The actor that played him in the first film may have hit a ridiculous growth spurt. And I mean, they were just like, sorry, kid, we can't use you I mean, you now. do you remember how many actors they went through for Harry Potter when they were shooting those movies? At least three or four. It was ridiculous. Three or four different <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe's. I mean, like, they called him the same name, but you know it was a different person. Okay. <laughs> I will just trust you on that one. That is probably your first mistake right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, some notable additions to the cast this time around. We've got some brand new characters. Yes. Um, Ryanosuke uh, Kamiki as Sojiro. Sojiro. And um, Ryanosuke Kamiki also played Taki Tachibana in Your Name, the main male lead in that film. That's so, that's so ridiculous. We have um, actor Yusuke Isaya as Ayoshi. Uh-huh. Um, and that actor, um, a few years later, actually very recently, um, within the last uh, year or so, uh, would play the role of Jotaro Kujo in the live-action JoJo's Bizarre Adventure movie. It's amazing how small this world is, after all. Yeah. <laughs> and um, most notably, I think, most the, the actor that fans would recognize uh, most immediately, even though throughout most of the film he's covered in makeup and band-aids... Um, if you will. <laughs> That's a big band-aid. <laughs> Quite. Um, is uh, Tatsuya Fujiwara as um, Makoto Shishio, mm-hmm. who played uh, Light in the original 2006-7 uh, Death Note live-action films. You know, the one that was probably good. Those actually, in my opinion, are pretty alright. They're, <laughs> they're good. I mean, I've seen them maybe twice total since then. I watched them a long time ago, and then mm-hmm again maybe like three or four years ago um and i mean they're okay i mean he plays a good light i think and uh he's a fairly well-known like actor so uh having him as um shishio was interesting to see fair enough um and i i i think his performance as shishio was good mm-hmm. i mean i think i think <coughs> because of a certain reason that i will reveal in a moment it was a little bit hard for us to digest the actor's performances in some ways because of what we, uh, quote-unquote, decided to do uh, for consuming the film this time around. Um, can you elaborate on that? I absolutely can. So for this film, for part two, we decided... Oh, that's right! We decided to watch it in English. That's right. The, the, the yes. English dub. That was what I was going to say. Yes, I. It's, it just hit me. I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can have it. Um, so we... Basically, partly out of necessity. It was an accident. It was a mistake. <laughs> in no, 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 entirely out of necessity. <laughs> sure. Okay. We uh, we watched the English dub version of part two, um, and that was interesting. I I don't know how I feel about the idea of dubbing live action films in the year of our lord 2017 i mean i know it happens all mm-hmm. the time especially with like big films like uh, the marvel universe ones and the dc ones that it go does, internationally like but that's only for international and this is a niche film i would say i mean maybe so but i mean like anime live action has had a lot of traction here in the mm-hmm. u.s from uh from my understanding at least so or at least some traction otherwise they wouldn't keep like uh trying to get english translations and dubs over here so I, mean, I, I I don't know because I see I still see anime as a niche, especially something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like Shin Godzilla, for example. Mm. But that is that would be a more broad audience thing, I would think. Okay, okay. Because there is a significant Western fan base for Godzilla, but there, I mean, comparatively, there's not a significant Western fan base for something like Rurouni Kenshin. That's fair. That's fair. But um, so it's like, do do you as a fan need an English dub of a live action Rurouni Kenshin movie? I mean, I appreciate the effort because, like, I typically like to watch. Uh, the English dubs anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little less distracting that way, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the uh, the subs are definitely more true to the content and what the right. original creators had in mind. But again, you're always kind of like having to read the te- the subtitles mm-hmm. at the bottom, which I don't mind, but it does distract from the main action. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that that is definitely a plus of being able to watch this film in uh, in English with the English dub and not having to read the subtitles is that. We were able to watch the film, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were able to take in all of the astounding swordplay that they continued, all the wonderful practical effects that they did, uh, all of the wonderful set designs and all that that carried over from the first film mm-hmm. are totally present in this film, oh, if not better. It's great. It's great. I, I, again, like I'm always amazed at how much production value is yes. in these movies so far like everything from like the combat choreography to the settings to mm-hmm. like just how everything's shot it's just really well put together it really it, it definitely is it it screams blockbuster mm-hmm. like these are very highly made films and they are totally appropriate for the subject matter i think i think so yeah and with the with the outlandish fights and the larger than life effects it it helps sell the epicness of the narrative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but to go back to the english dub a little bit i want to talk about the english uh, cast um this film was dubbed and released by funimation uh kenshin is played by micah solacid who is soul in soul eater ame in wolf children and um uh, russian yuri in yuri on ice uh, Kaoru is Electus, Alexis Tipton, uh, Iori in Guilty Crown, and Honey in Space Dandy. Uh, Sanosuke is Eric Vale, longtime uh, Funimation actor. He is Trunks in Dragon Ball Z, Sanji mm. in One Piece, etc. Um, Saito is played by Robert McCollum, one of my personal favorite um, uh, underappreciated Funimation actors, because I think his voice is so unique and wonderful and all of his performances are great he is kogami and psychopaths and honda and barakamon oh wow uh shishio is played by david wald who is gajil in fairy tale and count ernest borgnine as <laughs> as sully <laughs> as sully so eloquently described in our vampire hunter d review oh gosh the, um his name is actually Count Mag- Magnus Lee, mm. but he looks like Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> so that's that's the joke that Sully made. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he plays Magnus Lee in the uh, second Vampire Hunter D 1985 dub by Sentai Filmworks. Mm. Um, Misao is Brittany Karbowski, who is Blackstar in Soul Eater, Euripi in Angel Beats, and um, Pride in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Wow. And, okay. Um, yeah, those. That's just the main cast. Of course, there were other actors as well, and most of them are all Funimation regulars. Um, but those were the ones that I thought people would probably most most recognize. Gotcha. And um, you asked me this a little bit earlier before we started recording, like if I thought that this was a good dub. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would say yes. I would say for what it is, the only thing that makes it weird or awkward 
is the fact that it is paired with live action. Yeah, and like I think that's going to be a problem no matter like what you're trying yeah. to dub from to to or like what language you're dubbing from and then dubbing to. Yeah, and like you're always going to have that with live action. So like you know that's something that I knew was probably going to be a problem, and like that's that's mm-hmm. just kind of like an occupational hazard with this kind of yeah. thing. But even despite that, like the even like the minor characters who have like n- nameless characters are mm-hmm. like dubbed very well, and yeah. it all feels very believable mm-hmm. from the English dub. So it's mm-hmm. not like the best thing ever, mm-hmm. but it's definitely good enough to like get the story across and right. make make the universe feel believable. The only problem that I had with that sense of believability and emotion was in the scorched town scene, where Kenshin walks in. Um, after he's left the gang and been like, I have to go after Shishio now. Mm-hmm. And he gets to that burnt out town and like the kid is there and he's like, who just lost his brother who's the policeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like he gets back into the town and sees his parents like being like hung there mm-hmm. by Shishio's men. Yeah. And it's not that that, that kid's dub performance was necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. I just thought that it was a little... The emotion was a little bit junky, I thought, because we didn't yeah. we didn't get the kids like raw emotion from the performance in that space. Right. We got an actor's performance looking at that by being in a booth at Funimation. Yeah. I get I get that. I feel yeah, I feel like that was kind of I I don't know if they could have like gone back and forth between like the original uh audio for the actual like cries and like the dialogue. No, I'm sure that, I'm sure that would have been a disaster. Kind of, yeah. But yeah, I kind of, I kind of get, that mm-hmm. was kind of weird for me too. Like, I definitely see that. That was really the only thing that bugged me. Um, but if that's the only thing that bugs me, all in all, I mean, the fine. rest of it was fine. Yeah. Like, the, the guy who did uh, Shichio's Right Hand Man, whose name, I know the face, but the names escape me. Like, he did a fantastic job. Like, I... I get, I, the rest of it was very believable. Um, the Aoshi, Soji, Sojiro. Yeah, Sojiro. Sojiro. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aoshi fight was a little uh, was a little bit junky. As you far mean as, the one with the old man? Yeah, okay. that that got a little junky at times, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But like aside from that, like it was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And that and um, the 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 Oro thing, like <laughs> that that just didn't that didn't work for me. Like I don't. I don't because I know you haven't seen a whole lot of the anime. You just read it, so I'm sure reading it is different. But um, I don't know. Just the, the English voice actor delivering the Oro thing. It sounded. It just sounded weird hmm. because he's speaking English, not Japanese. I mean, it's just kind of like a. Uh, I it's more of like a colloquialism than like yeah. a particular uh, language mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, like I saw, I saw it as like it would be the same thing if I was going around and whenever I saw something like funny or excuse me, not funny but like awkward, mm-hmm. if I just looked at it and said "nani" <laughs> and non-ironically, mm-hmm. um, that's what it struck me as, and it, okay. it, it kind of threw me out of it. But I mean, again, that's sort of just a minor complaint. Well, actually, thinking back in the anime, I don't think he said "oro" a lot in the anime for the English dub. Like I, I haven't seen the mm-hmm. uh, sub, so I I don't know if mm-hmm. they said Oro a lot. But thinking back, I don't think he said Oro a lot, and I think you you may have a point there. I'm not sure. I did I didn't get pulled too far out just because I'm just kind of used to him. Mm-hmm. That's been that's just been established in the first movie. Right. So for him to say it in the second movie didn't mm-hmm. draw me so much. But yeah, it, it wasn't that for me. It was just the English 
actor delivering that line. That was the problem. I'd have to hear it again. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. If uh, listeners out there who are more astute in Roroni Kenshin anime knowledge than us, let us know if we're right about that or wrong about that. If yes, they, please please yeah. inform me exactly how wrong I am about my <laughs> assertions. Yeah, let us know what if he if he says Oro, tell us. If he doesn't say Oro, what does he say? Mm. Like, um, I'm very interested. Well, from what I remember, it's, it's more of just kind of like uh, surprise noises as opposed mm-hmm. to just like saying straight. What? N- or, or just like, eh? You know, just making like a funny noise as opposed yeah. to like Oro. Right, so. Um, let's see. So, can you tell us, can you give us the story breakdown for what happens in this film? Okay. So, if I remember correctly, what we've, so we've kind of gotten through, um, uh, we finish up with Jin E's storyline and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kaneshiro, Kaneshiro's, uh, is that right? Uh, the drug dealer, drug weapons dealer. Oh, I don't think that's his name. No, I don't think so either. Um, Conryu, Conryu. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's it. Who was played by J. Michael Tatum? I looked that up. So, oh, okay. Yeah, continue. So, um, so they just finished getting that wrapped up. Uh, now they learned that uh, through the, I think the police chief or one of the um, high political figures in the area, that Shishio is planning to uh, take over the capital and like take over this country and kind of undo all the work they did. To set up this new era of peace, mm-hmm. and who is Shishio? Shishio is a soldier left over from the uh, Meijin Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, he was betrayed by his own comrades, mm-hmm. and in the movie, was stabbed multiple times, which should have killed him, and then was set on fire, which should have killed him harder. Uh, which none of those was the case. He was able to crawl away and. Be fine. I I don't know. Fine is the operative word. Not, not aesthetically fine, but like alive. He, yeah. He's still here. Mm-hmm. So um, pulsating. Pul- that's a better word. He yeah. he's still here and pulsating. Yeah. So um so he survives that and now he just kind of wants to uh, undo everything because he's just got this uh, wanton bloodlust mm-hmm. more or less. Um, and at first Kenshin's very reluctant. He doesn't want to get mm-hmm. involved in any other. Uh, bull honky than he has mm-hmm. to uh, until the political figure gets assassinated and kind of like the, it, Shishio's presence starts threatening the very peace surrounding him and he can't ignore it anymore. Right. So he leaves Kaoru and the rest of them mm-hmm. behind. Oh, oh, let me stop you right yes, there. Yes. Um, I loved what the film did and I'm sure that they did this in the manga as well but they kept drawing the parallels between Shishio and Kenshin Mm-hmm. And showing them as foils of each other, mm-hmm. like Shishio basically represents what Kenshin could have become. Yes, um, and to see Kenshin, uh, whenever the political figure gets assassinated, and whenever he sees all of those people that were killed, all those policemen that were killed by uh, Shishio and his men, mm-hmm. and their wives and children grieving over them, mm-hmm. and he has that flashback of that time where he killed that other soldier mm-hmm. before the revolution or during the um, during, during the, the war. Re- yeah. Um, I thought that was just narratively so solid because it it really helps us to understand that you know Kenshin and Shishio are two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just found that really effective for me personally. I found that a little bit cheesy uh, because it, that point had already been established in the first film. So I get why they put it here again in the second film, mm-hmm. so it kind of be its own standalone piece. So if no, if you're just kind of jump into this movie, you can understand his motivation. Mm-hmm. I get that, but like, I, I mean, they only did it that one time, and it wasn't that long. So I just thought, oh, okay, that's fine. No, I I got you. For, for me, it's just kind of like, eh, like I don't know. Again, coming from the manga, that wasn't really 
he didn't point to that scene too terribly mm-hmm. much. It was kind of touched on at one point, and we get the background of that, and that was pretty much it. That wasn't... But, I mean, that gives the emotional context going around. Yeah. So, I mean, like... Plus, I mean, some people may have not seen that film since it came out in theaters. I, as, so. as I said, so yeah. if they just kind of jump into the second movie, yeah. then that kind of gives that background to it's that. It's like, so, oh, yeah! Yeah, so, so I understand the necessity of mm-hmm. it, but coming from the first movie, I felt that was kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. just because of where I came from. Mm-hmm. Or we came from, excuse me. So, um, yes, yeah, so, let's see, so, uh, he goes to Kyoto, leaves everybody behind, and only tells Kaoru that he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And he also leaves his, um, his clothes behind, and takes on a n- new garb. Yes, Which yes, is a I... good, good visual, uh, metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he gets to, uh, Kyoto, well, almost gets to Kyoto, and then gets involved with, uh, some other business with the town, where Shishio's men is basically taking it over, mm-hmm. and the uh, the people there are basically uh, sheeple, mm-hmm. and just kind of like cower and just try to survive as opposed to like living. Right. And so um, he basically puts one of the boys there on the right path, the boy whose family mm-hmm. was basically slaughtered yes. as he got there. And I, I adored that scene. I mm-hmm. thought that was so effective mm-hmm. because it it's again one of those moments of sort of a, a movie and a character sort of laying out their worldview in plain sight for people to see mm. and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sometimes you have to do that mm-hmm. to be to give some perspective and I'm glad they had that in there because that was in the manga mm-hmm. and again they kind of left they kind of rearranged some stuff from the first movie so I'm very glad that they mm-hmm. took the time to touch upon that one scene and just kind of get an idea of like what happens to people when they're just faced with oppression and like right. either they stand up and mm-hmm. fight back like um uh, like I guess what Kenshin did in the revolution mm-hmm. or they just kind of succumb and mm-hmm. become more or less sheep just right. to, like livestock just trying to survive and Kenshin was basically telling the kid it's like hey you don't want to become it's like I know that these horrible things have happened to you mm. but if you allow that if you allow that to turn you into a tyrant mm-hmm. then you are just as bad as the people that did that to you mm. but if you cower then you're just as bad as the people of the town who allowed this to happen yeah so He's basically like, you need to, you know, take the middle road and be the, not the aggressor and not the sheeple, but be the protector. Mm-hmm. And that's basically Kenshin's whole ethos. Yeah, you kind of get, you kinda, it kind of like reestablishes just kind of where Kenshin comes from and his yeah. mindset mm-hmm. and just what he, he wants people to kind of follow and right. what, what the path that he thinks is right. Mm-hmm. So after getting that uh, done, he meets up with, um, oh man, I can't, the ninja group of Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Um, that apparently they had was on the opposite side of the war during that time, and uh, they, well, let's see, did I get that out of order? Maybe no, I think I did get that a little out of order because he comes across Shishio first mm-hmm. and fights against his right hand man. Um, that's not his right hand man. That's his. Uh, uh, that's one of his closer fighters. That's not his right hand man. The, the right the Pete to his Maleficent. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> No, that would be uh, the guy who had like kind of like the princey kind of hair. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. that's that is his right hand man. Gotcha. No, no uh, Sojiro. Sojiro is mm-hmm. one of his. It was one of the fighters he's close to because mm-hmm. he's he. There's reasons behind that that you will find hopefully later in the third mm-hmm. film. He is a very yes sir, thank you sir type and, of character. Yes, yes, and you'll you'll understand why hopefully later. But um, so he fights against Sojiro. And in the process of that, uh, gets his Sakabato broken. Mm-hmm. 
So then he meets up with the ninja group of Kyoto because uh, uh, Sojuro's sword was damaged, mm-hmm. so they were they he stopped as well. Um, and basically, he was trying to get information on the person mm-hmm. who made his sword and gave mm-hmm. it to him in the first place, who was dead. He's he died since then. Mm-hmm. So he went to his son, uh, the the son of the uh, swordsmith, and he just makes kitchen knives. Doesn't really get into swords anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Cho, the sword hunter, comes in. One of the ten swords. Uh, for Shishio and uh, basically coerces Kenshin into fighting and uh, and he looks like he is straight out of a J-pop boy band I know and they did like <laughs> they did so much justice to that character mm-hmm. like fr- like ah it's perfect just perfectly done perfectly executed like good job guys kudos mm-hmm. to you so um, while they're fighting, uh, the the son of the swordsman has a change of heart and decides to give Kenshin the last sword his father made. Because, wait, did you talk about the baby? Uh, well, yeah, well, mm-hmm. no, I did not talk about the baby. Okay. But basically, the, the swordsman's son's baby gets stolen by Cho mm-hmm. because he's also interested in the sword that his father left behind, the last one. And so uh, he steals the baby, mm-hmm. and that what drives Kenshin to fight him to try to protect the kid. And despite not having a sword, I don't think that's stressed upon enough. He's he, has fighting. Little, he has a little bit of a sword. <laughs> he, he fights mostly with the scabbard. That is true. Like ninety yes, percent of the fight mm-hmm. is with the scabbard. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which is, I think, I think that's great because it shows that like Kenshin does not give up easily. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, even though he's got half a sword, he's still got a scabbard. That's enough for him to do. Yeah, it, it's kind of kind of what it kind of shows do. his like will to like keep the peace. For, like keep the piece that he worked so hard for to right. fight and build. It's not perfect, and he doesn't necessarily agree with all of it. But like it's better than the way it was, and he wants to at least keep it moving towards that direction. Mm-hmm. So um, the sword, the the son gives finds his father's sword and gives it to Kenshin. And at the time, we don't know what kind of sword it is, and so Kenshin's a little re- reluctant to draw it because if it's a real sword, he could revert back to being a kill sword, which is what he's trying very hard not to do. Mm-hmm. And Cho kind of forces the issue, so he draws a blade and strikes him down. And surprise, it's a Sakobato. Uh. Yes, so he didn't kill him, and he's still fine. So he basically uh, puts the blade into his the sheath he's used to, and I forget exactly what it says on the sword. Uh, but oh, it, oh, it was something along something the lines. Something like, like, like uh, forgive me for uh, the sins I've made now, for the future of my grandson, something like that. Yeah. So it's ba- something like I'm I'm doing this, and I know my kids are mad at me, but I'm doing this to protect my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. But it's something more poetic than that. Yeah, because but. basically he made swords, like all kinds of swords, for um the during the revolution. Yeah. For the, for during wartime, and like while he knew it wasn't like the best way to go about it, and mm-hmm. that his kids didn't necessarily enjoy him doing that, he was doing it for the peace of. For that, his, his children's children mm-hmm. could live in a peaceful era, right? Kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of poetic, and I'm, again, that was also in the manga. And I'm glad that I'm glad they're touching on all these small points mm-hmm. that I feel like could easily just kind of be like, hey, they don't really need that. Because I mean, it's really those details that build a story. Yeah, and they really kind of like develop that character and give you a better sense of like who they are mm-hmm. and how they develop, mm-hmm. kind of deal. So he gets his new sword. And then they find out about Shishio's plot to basically light Kyoto on fire. You know, Kyoto Inferno. Yeah, I mean, they want, they make it lit. What can I say? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they start 
toasting the town. Policemen are on it. They already evacuated the town. Mm-hmm. They're fighting as much people as they can. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole Kenshin gang is back together in yes. Kyoto. Yes, that's right. They yeah. come they come find him like right before mm-hmm. everything gets like really crazy. So um, Yahiko, Kaoru, and Sanosuke later on. Yeah, like the greets him by basically punching him in the face, which is oh yeah, great. <laughs> it's great because that's all. Again, it's just these little things that just make me happy that they added in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so they're basically trying to protect the town, for the most part. And, and then there's that big, long fight. Oh, gosh. Really it's long so fight. so much. And I gotta say, like, you know, after seeing the first movie, like, you didn't really, you didn't really get an appreciation for, like, how much the Sakabato hurts. Yes. But going back real fast to the desolated town where Shishio's men had taken over, mm-hmm. that fight scene really kind of showed just how much damage you can do yeah. with a blunt weapon. I know we yes. talked at length about that mm-hmm. during the movie at the time, because, like, he was just basically plugging away at some dude's head, like, five times in rapid yeah. succession. I'm just like, you know, for the longest time when I read the manga, I'm like, does it really hurt that bad? And then after watching that scene, it's like, oh, no, that man's not getting up. He's done. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, if you were hit, like, I don't pretend to know a whole lot about swords, mm-hmm. but I would assume that the fact that a normal sword would, like, cut the flesh mm-hmm. means that there's some sort of, like, alleviation of resistance because the surface being hit is being broken. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the difference between hitting a concrete block and hitting water. Right. Like, right. they're both gonna hurt, mm-hmm. but, like, at least the water has to give. Mm-hmm. And if you're cutting flesh, that'll be some give. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's just whacking them <laughs> with a blunt pole, essentially. A blunt metal pole. Exactly. A very fast one, too. Yeah. In the face. Yeah. Like, that, they, you ain't getting up after that. And they really, really conveyed the sense of impact. Yeah, like, in like the, way that the, they the brutality those. of it. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not killing them. He's coming pretty close. He's giving them some nasty bruises, <laughs> that's for sure. They will feel that for a long time. Yes, yes, for real. And so, going back to the final fight uh, during the Kyo- the burning of Kyoto, um, after the whole gang finally meets up, and by that I mean, like, uh, uh, Sa- Sano finally meets up with Kenshin, and they kind of have a, uh, 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 I'm losing, they reconnect. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, they find out that Kaoru has been taken uh, by uh, so- Sojiro? Sojiro. Mm-hmm. And so he has. He basically gets on a horse and follows him out to their hideout, which turns out to be a big ironclad metal ship. Uh, and so he gets onto the ship, and Shishio uh, goes him into trying to kill him. So he gets kind of to become a kill sword again, kind of like what Jenny did in the last mm-hmm. movie. And so uh, during the fight, Kaoru gets uh, pushed into the ocean, or the lake sea body of water yes the i'm going to assume it's the sea Mm -hmm. and uh kenshin goes in after her and can't find her and basically wakes or passes washed up on a shore of some sort and he's picked up by a man who i know exactly who he is and i am so glad they included this they're going to include this scene too at least i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure they will and you will find that out later on and that's where the story kind of ends mm-hmm. where Kyoto saved but they find out that Shishio's it was a distraction basically Shishio's real target is to go to Tokyo mm-hmm. and to take over the government there and basically destabilize the entire country mm-hmm. so that's where we're at so they set up basically the final fight for Shishio he's going to Tokyo going to try to take over some stuff Kenshin is rescued by a mystery man and I'm assuming that Kaoru is still lost 
somewhere. We don't mm-hmm. know what really happened to to Kaoru at this mm-hmm. point. I um, you know, watching this, it it really does convey a sense of sort of timeless epic. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what the story of Kenshin is. Like it has so many universal themes, mm-hmm. even though the contexts are inextricably connected to Japan. Mm-hmm. But there's so much about this that I could see, I can see how popular this this story is because mm-hmm. there's so much about it that you can connect to. There are so mm-hmm. many different types of characters um, that you can find something to connect with in mm-hmm. um and just the way that the narrative plays out the way that i mean it may be slightly different in the anime and the manga but so far i think the movies have been extraordinarily well paced mm-hmm. even though some of it can be a little bit long because mm-hmm. um, these are very long movies I mean, this last one was what two hours and 15 minutes something, something like, like that. that and the first one was a similar time as well mm-hmm. um so they have a lot of story to fit in and um do you think in comparing it to the first one, which one do you think is the better film? I think the sec. Oh gosh, I think the second one was definitely mm-hmm. better executed because you of- definitely seem to have less problems with it. Yes, because well, I think that was a few things. I after watching the first one and getting an idea of the direction they're going with the story and the characters, I just kind of had to let go of most of my preconceptions and be like, all right, now I know what kind of universe I'm grounded in. Kaoru is going to be portrayed as pretty much useless based on the so first Which is super unfortunate. Because, like, based on the manga, she's, like, very, very uh, uh, full of energy mm-hmm. and, uh, what was the word? Uh, full of spunk. Yeah. She, she's very sarcastic and, like, her interactions between her and Yahiko and her and Sano are hilarious. And, like, sure, that didn't need to take out most of the film, but she, you could sprinkle on, like, a scene, just, like, one humorous conversation just mm-hmm. to kind of get an idea of, like, when they're not in the throes of death even during the Kyoto scene like you have like a little bit between Yahi- some levity yeah a little bit between Yahiko and uh, uh, um, Kaoru, Kaoru mm-hmm. even during during the fight because they can still like go at each other during Legolas and Gimli yeah exactly <laughs> exactly like they're still like fighting and they're not gonna like get in each other's way but they can still chastise mm-hmm. each other during yeah. the whole thing like mm-hmm. that's that's how they are that's that's and that's what made the manga so good it's just because of that levity and because of all those humorous moments when the tension has died down so i I feel like that aspect is lost quite a bit there's a little bit peppered in here and there and i do appreciate when it's when it's uh present but i feel like that that kind of tone has been lost and they decided to go with a more serious tone which isn't totally kenshin but they're doing him justice as far mm-hmm. as the serious tones go, right. or the serious notes. Mm-hmm. I think that the the character of Kenshin, you know, he he has his moments of levity, and he's not all melodrama. But it just seems very unfortunate. It's, it's but it's like ninety five percent like serious and yeah. dramatic tension kind of deal. Like, and I think that would help if if Kaoru was given that little bit of a push to be more of a more of herself yeah like just let her be her like like even during the instruction scene when she's like training the new people who are coming to her dojo like we barely see yeah like she she's not even like training with them she's just shouting at them which is not really indicative of anything the most like the only time she actually stepped up to be a character is during the kyoto uh the kyoto fight scene where she's actually like kicking butt right and i'm like finally finally they show her doing something and i'm so i was so glad for that but i'm wish they wouldn't take three and a half hours of runtime to get there yeah that's a long time mm-hmm. so so after seeing the first one i Kaoru i figured would be mostly useless mm-hmm. or and she still was she was the damsel in distress mm-hmm. which she almost never is she's that 
twice throughout the whole series in the manga and she's already twice in two movies and she's probably going to continue to be that in the third mm-hmm. so that's that's oh gosh i think i know i okay i think i know where the movie is going i just it just hit me but anyway so coward's gonna be useless Yahiko is basically a background character prop more or less and like he did more he actually participated in the fight as well but again they he doesn't have a lot of screen time mm-hmm. he doesn't have a lot of lines he's just kind of there and you don't really know his background or story or anything and like there's a few little things that aren't that are like character features like they got the character designs right but they kind of drop the ball on why those things are there uh noticeably sano's shirt why it has uh aku or evil on the back and uh there's one design on shishio which i'm not going to tell you until we watch the third film and get through that because if they say that during the fight, I'm going to be more than upset for a few reasons. But we'll get to that after the movie. Um, so I knew Yahiko was going to be uh, much of a substantial figure. And I kind of figured that the story would be kind of like uh, mashed up a bit based on the first one. And I'm, I'm honestly very surprised that they did not do a whole lot of that for the second one with the exception of Aoshi and even then they tried to at least get that emotional connection that you had from the previous arc that was supposed to be there so they still tried to get him in there the proper way so I give them credit for that mm-hmm. so for the most part they went they kept the original pacing and the story and the structure of the story pretty much the same mm-hmm. for the second movie so props to them I'm glad they did that um, it seems like in general the both films' biggest biggest sin is really just Kaoru. That that yeah, Kaoru is a big one for me because it's yeah. like again, she's not this useless female character. Far from it, and she's very she's very full of life and sarcastic and just mm. a fun character. Yeah. She's supposed to be really fun, and in this one, she's just kind of mm-hmm. useless and preachy and overdramatic, mm-hmm. and it's like I, I, the only reason I can think of why they decided to to do that would maybe they were scared it wouldn't work. I mean, I mean, I think it. I think it would have worked, but maybe they were too scared to go with more levity for her character because maybe it wouldn't have matched the, the, um, the intensity of like the violence and the drama and things like that. But I mean, I think it could have worked. I mean, if if Sanosuke can be a goofball, I mean, she can be her sarcastic like self. I mean, like just like in the manga and the even in the anime, she like a. I don't want to say abuse, but she she beats the crap out of these people. She was stern. Yeah, <laughs> she 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 is not afraid to lash out if she needs to do yeah. for a corrective action. We'll mm-hmm. say so. Like and those kind of things were funny. Like you don't have to like literally go through the same steps as mm-hmm. that, but you can still like have bits and pieces mm-hmm. of that where you just kind of like whack Sano for being stupid and like all it takes is a few small gags. Yeah, and like in like Sano knows she could like break her at in half and she knows too but she doesn't care like she's mad at him like yeah. that's why it's funny like yeah. she just doesn't care about like how strong yeah. he is she's gonna she's gonna hit him anyway and it's unfortunate that that is missing but i mean i guess if you don't know anything about Roroni kenshin you would just watch she's it still okay an annoying character if you she, don't know anything is. about it Roroni kenshin is. and that's the thing yeah. like forget everything else all the other preconceptions Kaoru is not a good character and she in is, these films yes even just just with the films and it's like if Kaoru, that particular character, was in any other film, I'd still have the same problem with her. It's, yeah. it's more of a character thing That's as opposed fair. to, like, Kaoru just being done wrong. Yeah. I gotcha. 
Well, uh, did you have any other big um, concepts or thoughts that you wanted to get into? Oh gosh, um, I'm surprised that. Well, I'm not too surprised. I like. I guess they're waiting for. They did a lot of setup for this one, so there wasn't a whole lot of things that got resolved or anything. It was just mostly building up for the the Shishio confrontation. Right. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So the story. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where the story is going to go. I think I have an idea, but this that could easily be shattered very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, considering that you consider. <laughs> that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> considering you consider the yeah. considering, yes, uh, <laughs> that this film is more narratively tied to the source material, mm-hmm. does that give you hope that since these two films were made consecutively, that the third film will carry that same? Uh, I think they're going to do. I think context. they're going to do it to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. I, again, they took a couple creative uh, liberties here, mm-hmm. but which um, is to be expected. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I see why they did that now with Kaoru and the ship and pushing her off and whatnot. I think I know why that happened. For cinematic expedience, you think? Um, probably to set up the last. Because because there's another arc. Because mm-hmm. they were probably like, guys, we got this movie is long. We got to end it. <laughs> so because uh, there's another arc after the Shishio one in the manga. So I don't know if the movie's going to touch on it. If they are, I can see how they're going to get there with how the pre- the events have been uh, presented. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I I think the Shishi arc. I don't know. There's, there's two ways this could go. Either they're going to end with the Shishio confrontation, and that just ends that arc, and we're done. That's the end of the movies. Roll credits. Or they're going to go and quickly deal with the Shishio arc and the Ten Swords, and then we're going to like very briefly wrap up that last arc. Because it's not mm-hmm. too terribly long. It's kind of like... Uh, it, it's, it's more of an emotional existential crisis for a particular character who I will not name right now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, them working through that and then dealing with that final uh, uh, chapter that needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. It seems that considering we have all of these swordmen to fight, mm-hmm. more than likely, I would assume that they are going to take up the majority of the final film. I would think so too, but like they were pretty quickly dealt with in the manga. Mm-hmm. Like consecutively okay so um i'm not going to tell you why he fights all of them in one battle and just wins Ah. and it's a it's a 10 minute scene you have a cute imagination (laughs) oh no (laughs) so again for reasons that i'm not going to explain to you just yet um they are dealt with rather quickly um so we'll we'll see about that. I don't know. So I could see them getting through the Shishi arc and then quickly re- doing with the last arc mm-hmm. and just kind of like expediently going through the uh, the existential part, mm-hmm. the existential throes of it. Um, well, then it sounds like the mo- the third movie will be kind of split into two movies. Kinda, yeah. Because it seems like there's a tonal shift. A little, kinda, kinda. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much because I fear mm-hmm. if I say anything at all, it's going to be like huge spoilers. Right. Um, I will say there there is one character in the first film that still has not been explained, mm-hmm. and I think I know who he is because he's just kind of there. He's just there's no explanation. He's just there, mm-hmm. and he says things that remind me of a particular character that will that happens near the end of the series. Mm-hmm. So. 
I don't know in if... the post Shishio arc. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I don't know if they introduced him in the first movie and will bring him back for the third movie, or if he was just like a character they just kind of placed Hello, there. Goodbye. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I know who that character is, but until I see the final movie, I won't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's so. Just to reiterate, to mm-hmm. recap. It's either going to end with the Shishio fight, or they're going to do the Shishio fight, and then really quickly wrap up the end, the, the last arc, and then put everything in a nice little bow and call it a day. Cool. And if they do that, I will you be satisfied? Um, I think they have an idea of what they're doing, and if everything plays out as I think it will, then yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. I'm pretty satisfied with how things are turning out right now. I, the first movie was kind of interesting mm-hmm. with their uh changing of a lot of the story mm-hmm. when like characters are just kind of like fine mm-hmm. but um but like the second movie makes up for what they did in the first one mm-hmm. that and that's why and that's why i had, didn't have as much complaints for mm-hmm. it because they fixed everything that was wrong with the first one and you know that we we could have an effect in the third movie as well where that also does happen like mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, they do up the levity a little bit with Kaoru, make her a little bit. I better. that's not going to happen. I just just the way it's set yeah. up right now, I just don't see that happening. I mean, I don't see it happening either. But I mean, there is always the possibility of that happening. That, that's the problem is you don't know. I do, and like basically at this point, that's not happening. All right. So so like I I would love that. Mm-hmm. I would love that more than anything. But but based on how I believe the plot is going to go, that just. That literally it cannot be done. It, it cannot happen. Okay. Too heavy. It literally cannot happen. Okay. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Well, um, speaking of leaving it at that, are we out of there... time already? <laughs> well, we're kind of approaching an hour, and oh. we didn't want this show to go on for too long. Well, I don't want to bore these poor people for too long. I know. I know. I can be kind of dull and dry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> at least you forgive me. Absolutely. Um, so unless there's anything else you want to go over, I think we'll probably go with the sub with this last one. Just stick with Definitely. that because I think the sub felt more natural mm-hmm. and was... Oh, I did... Um, you go ahead and finish your thought. Uh, I, I did think the sub felt more natural and I think the emotions were, uh, uh, e- were uh, easier to come across that way mm-hmm. than, than opposed to the dub. So the dub itself wasn't bad, but um, again, it did take you out of the movie at points. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, listen, going back to the sub again will probably be a more enriching experience. Right. And speaking of that, we actually did... Um, I, I have the home video copies of Roni Kenshin 1 and 3 mm-hmm. because I found them uh, at a really good deal at a con, at, a con, at Animazement um, for like, I don't know eight bucks each or something wow. and it was the blu-ray dvd combo pack and they're both really nice Ooh. they didn't have the slip sleeves but whatever i don't care <laughs> but it was just the first one and the third one so we had to sort of improvise with the second one so i rented it from amazon for like three bucks and because uh, we just wanted to watch it we wanted to just make it happen mm-hmm. and watch it and, and um, like i remember you saying like oh gosh please help us on english we check. It is literally only in English. What yeah, the frick? <laughs> and we, we couldn't we couldn't change it, or at least if we could, I was not smart enough to figure it out. So um, we so and like we figured to do justice to you guys, we'd at least watch the dub this time, just so we can get an idea of like who they got who they brought yes. in for the characters, how they sounded and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, if you enjoy dubs and you prefer dubs, mm-hmm. you should not be disappointed by the dubs for these movies. Definitely. And um, I just wanted to if my Wi Fi will uh, cooperate with me right now. Uh, there are some very uh, 
<laughs> choicely written uh, Amazon reviews I wanted to, oh, to go over real goody, quick. Goody. And they're kind of humorous. Incredible. Some of them are just a little bit uh they're just they're worth they're worth repeating. <laughs> so here's one. Uh this is a one star review. It says huge disappointment, period. Oh god, I didn't expect the audio to be an English dubbed version. I wish I glanced at the reviews before paying for it. Thankfully, I only paid for a rental. Why you gotta be that way? <laughs> I mean, it, sure, it wasn't like the best thing, but it wasn't like terrible. It wasn't like I like like the the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. It's cinnamon. not a it's not a one star. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, Even if you don't like dubs, it's not a one no, star. No, I would give it at least a two or three. But then again, this one I also disagree with. Five stars. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Cool. Cool. Oh, here's another one. One star. Cringe. That's it. See, see, when it comes to constructive criticism, I don't understand why people just say it's bad. Why? Because. How do you prove? How do you know what to look for? It's just like you're not giving me anything to work with. It's frustrating. Because. I'll, I'll, I know you're doing this as a joke, <laughs> but I'll still hurt you. <laughs> okay, here. Um... Here's, here's actually a good one. Uh, five stars. Very good. A very good adaptation of the Kenshin series. Needs more WB investment in manga anime adaptations. WB? Warner Brothers. Oh, okay. This is a Warner Brothers movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the, the head studio. Okay. Um, cool. Well, um, I hope that they uh, paid, that Warner Brothers pays attention to how good these movies are in the pantheon of anime live action adaptations. Yeah, because I mean, even if you're not a fan of this series, like mm-hmm. the the action is really, really well done. Yeah, and they're very solid movies. They're just good movies, mm-hmm. like very entertaining, very worth watching. I think. Um, fantastic movie with good choreography, five stars. Fantastic movie with good choreography. The plotting is solid, especially if watched with the other two movies in the trilogy. Well, of course. Why would you just watch the second? Why would you just watch the second one? I don't know. I just, I just, I want to get the middle of the story and then leave. And here's one that is a very uh, pure and worth ending on. Three stars. Thank you. One word. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, it's it's a it's a good movie, and yep. it's, and for the majority of it, it's doing justice for to the series. Yep. So I I cannot complain too harshly, and I just hope the third movie continues the trend that the second one has set, with the exception of Kaoru and Yahiko. Yes. So I'm very excited for us to sit down very, very soon and mm. watch Roni Kenshin yes, Part 3, yes, The Legend I Ends. I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have no idea how excited I am. It's going to be very exciting. And um, we are excited to end this episode right now. I know Aww. you cannot believe it, but uh, I know John needs to go to bed. Of course, I, I can stay you know, you know I need to, the but the question is, will I? Uh, you will not. <laughs> and, uh, because I know how you work, and you work by never stopping working. <laughs> it's, it's a problem. It is a problem. Um, but uh, that is it for our show uh, for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and making it to the end of this episode through our uh, review of Aroni Kenshin Part 2, Kyoto Inferno. Uh, if you want to learn more about Borderline anime podcast which is our new name on podbean by the way if you guys want to find us on itunes and google play just search for borderline anime podcasts uh or podcast rather one word um 
we figured we if we changed the name, it might be a little bit easier for people to find us. Mm. And since it has anime in the name, it gives people a better impression of what we do. Because that is most of what we do, which yeah, is anime mostly. stuff. Anime and video games and cons and panels. There you go. Um, and that is basically our whole shadoodle. Shadoodle. <laughs> yes. Um, but again, thank you guys for tuning in. And if you want to learn more about Borderline podcasts please visit our facebook page at facebook.com slash borderline panels and follow us on twitter at b-o-r-d-e-r-p-a-n that's border pan or border pen border pen yeah <laughs> anyways guys have a wonderful night afternoon morning evening and whatever it is that you're doing be good we will see you space cowboy <laughs> see you guys